sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, and boy, will you have questions, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way you can do that is by email. The address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. O-R-G. I'm excited to be joined in studio today by Father Chris Cowles. Hi, Father. Hey, how you doing? Good. It's good to have you here with us. And that right there is a taste of what you're going to get, folks, for 27 more minutes. Hey, how are you doing? Excitement, passion, power. Father Cowles is going to bring it all today. And we're going to be talking about his story. Uh, just his journey of faith. If, if you're a longtime Ignition listener, you know that, um, especially when I have somebody on for the first time, this is Father's first appearance on Ignition, this is a question that I'd like to ask, just what their journey of faith is. So um, I'm excited for you. I've gotten to know Father Cowles over the years, knew him before he was a priest. Um, so you're going to hear um, uh, in... 27 minutes and 25 seconds, minus however long we've been talking so far, what <laughs> Father Cowell's uh, journey of faith has been. If you've never listened to the show before, again, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Been in that role since 2002. Been in the role of husband to Jermaine since 1999. Um, she's from Ohio. I'm from Central Minnesota, but all five of our kids are born and raised here in sunny Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Whoopee! Father Collins, just in a nutshell, who are you today? Um, I'm a regular Catholic priest <laughs> who's alive and sitting in a seat in front of you. He says with furrowed brow. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I think that's who I'm I am. I'm pretty sure I am. I okay. might be plugged into the Matrix, but I'm not sure. Anyway, sorry. So I'm Father Christopher Collins, pastor <clears throat> of Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Been pastor there for a little over five years now. Wow. And for everyone who's wondering, do I speak Spanish? For the most part, from day to day, I don't know quite know, and I think the people of God look at me and sometimes say, um, where did you learn your Spanish? And I look at them and say, from you. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> it's kind of true. Pastor with an edge. I like it. Well, I try not to be that bad most no, of the time. He's, yeah, no, no. Um, I was going to ask you something about your... Oh, have you, have you yet... No, you're Spanish. No, we'll get to that. Um, have you yet found yourself talking in one language, thinking that you were talking in the other. Oh, there's been a couple of times it's happened. Where you've been, now, which does it usually go one way or the other for you? No, well, there's definitely moments when I've been te- talking in Spanish, when I was thinking I was going to be in English, or English when I was talking in Spanish. It's happened both. Yeah, yes. okay. but it's because I was doing bilingual services. Sure, So sure, I was sure. going back and forth between the two, and I wasn't sure exactly which group of people I was talking to. Or I would switch kind of halfway through something, and it turn into some form of Spanglish, and everyone would start smiling, and I'd realize... I don't know what I'm actually saying or what language I'm speaking right now. The reason I ask, uh, one of Jermaine's brothers, Dominic, um, uh, has lived in Germany. After after he graduated from college, he went to Germany. So this was back in the 90s, and he's lived there ever since. Married a German woman, um, all their five kids, I think. There's a time years ago where, where they were home. And I was talking to Dominic, and we were talking in English, and all of a sudden he switched to German and kept going. And his wife, the German, Michi, said, uh, Dominic, you're speaking in German. <laughs> so I was just nodding along. like I knew a little bit of German, but not enough where I knew what he was saying. I don't think it's ever been quite that bad no, no. <laughs> uh, by any means. But so, yeah, because I can tell by people's expressions whether they're understanding me or like, not. What the heck just happened? 
Okay. Yeah. So, Brother Cowles, what's your story? Well, I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> um, so, I'm the youngest child of five kids, born and raised in Yankton, South Dakota. So, small little town, southern part of our diocese. Mm-hmm. Same town as the famous Father Andrew Dickinson, if you all have heard of him before. I think he was on Ignition like a thousand times in the beginning. Ten years. Well, almost not the very beginning, but he joined me uh, ten years ago, actually. Uh, ten, years ago. Uh, ten years ago. And he and he abandoned me. I mean, I mean, left. I mean, he uh, stopped being my co-host about two years ago. I don't have any issues with that. None at all. No. I can tell no. from your furrowed brow. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. We talked about that before. Okay. So, um, Father Christopher Cowles. Better than a unibrow. Yeah, better than a unibrow. Um, so. Misspelled first name. Oh, gosh. <laughs> You're going to keep interrupting me before I can actually talk about my story? So, let's, before we continue on, we might as well get this out of the way because this is going to be a, a subject of contention. My name is Christopher with a K. And the reason it is with a K because my parents decided they were going to name me Christopher whether I was a boy or a girl. Chris with either a boy or a girl. Um, I'm not exactly sure why, um, but that's how I was named, and I thought that that was basically the right way to spell mm-hmm. Chris. Mm-hmm. Until I met Dr. Chris Bergwald, mm-hmm. who insisted that I spelled my name wrong, and there was something <laughs> wrong with me, therefore, because of it. I have wounds. Well, clearly, wounds deep can, in my can, heart. Our all listeners can because hear of that this all man. because of me. You're welcome. It's an opportunity for sanctification on your part. You are welcome. I am happy to have been... All right. Who are you? <laughs> So, um, youngest of five kids, uh, born into a family of, uh, I'd say, pretty devout Catholics. Mm-hmm. My mom was a daily mass goer. Um, my father was a convert from the Methodist faith to the Catholic faith. Uh, when when they got married? Uh, right before they got married. Okay. Okay. Right before they got married. Um, so, the oldest in my family is 14 years older than I am, my sister Kelly, and my brother Kirby, who's 12 years older than I am, my brother Michael, 10 years older than I am, and my brother Owen, six years older than I am. Um, so, I'm the last... Uh, born in the family, um, in a certain sense, kind of spoiled, but at the same time, very much loved. Um, spoiled because you're the youngest? You because mean? I was the youngest. Sure. And because I was, well, the most difference of any of the kids from from the next stop. Um, and at the same time, I was just lovable, you know? Yes. I was just a lovable person. Yes, yes you were and still are. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. You're making up for all the wounds from the past. I'm, I'm trying. I love that. <laughs> um so with all these things basically being said, I uh, grew up in a very good family. Um, as a young child, I had the chance to get to Catholic school in Yankton at Sacred Heart School one of two ways. One was riding the bus, which I hated. We lived in the country, meaning mm. that I had to stand outside in the cold weather. We didn't go uphill both directions. We just stood in the cold waiting for the bus. Even in June or May? No, it wasn't that cold then. We oh. were oh. burning at that moment in time, okay. and I was sweating like I always do at that moment <laughs> in that part of the year. But... Um, We'd either ride the bus or I'd ride with my mom into school, which meant that I'd go to mass with her in the morning. Mm -hmm. So um, more times than not, I'd actually ride with my mom into school and go with her to daily mass. So I'm this, you know, at this time, cute little kid. Now I look like a big, you know, bear at this point in time of my life as a priest. But then I was a cute little kid sitting up there with my mom before mass and people would look at me and say, oh, wouldn't it be awesome if someday that little boy became a priest? And I thought, not really. Mm. However... Um, I will say in first grade, um, I had the opportunity for all schools week, we had the chance to dress up however we wanted to that week uh, for the vocation that we were going to have in the future. And I was planning on dressing up like a priest. But then I got chicken pox. 
So I was happy that no one actually found out that that was a possible desire of mine because that next year I discovered that not all girls have cooties and some of them are actually cute. Yes. Um, so in kindergarten through second grade, I was at daily mass almost every single day with wow. my mom. So got into a good habit and met some and pretty cool so priests. Obviously, this is before you can receive First Communion for much of that. For much of that yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And during that time, I often saw these priests and um, almost idealized them, mm. thinking they're incredible. They're awesome. I remember Father, uh, let's see here, who was it at that time? I know Father uh, Jim Bream is the one who gave me my sacrament of my first communion, my first reconciliation. Father Jerry Ronick was an associate during that time who I really looked up to and still look up to um, as a priest. Um, there was a few others who I remember like right around Halloween, they'd wear sandals with orange socks and I thought they were the coolest people <laughs> in the world. It's just the things you think of as a little kid. Um, but as time went on, my mind drifted away from the idea of becoming a priest and I wanted to get married, have a family, uh, about 12 kids if possible. Sure. And, um, also become a mechanical engineer. I was fascinated with Legos. I loved mm. thinking of how things worked and were built and I would love designing things. Um, so at sixth grade, I was pretty much set. I was already, um, sending out letters to the school of mines at technology in Rapid Seriously? City. Yeah. I already sent out a letter at sixth grade. And they started sending me admissions information. Wow. My sister had gone there. Okay. So my sister had been uh, started as a metallurgical engineer major and then finished up a degree in interdisciplinary sciences. Um, but I just really wanted to go there because I love the hills. I love camping and hiking and mm -hmm. backpacking. But I just thought this, this is a really cool school in our state that I'd like to go to. So during the course of my years of high school, I did have the chance to um, visit a seminary as a sophomore in high school, which was a good experience. But when I was up there at St. John Vianney Seminary in in St. Paul, I saw the guys and was like, wow, this is really cool. These are wonderful men. And I have no desire whatsoever to be here. Hmm. None, none at all, really. Why'd you go then? Out of curiosity. So just what you said earlier, like, what, first grade, second grade, thought of it, but not really met Why did you even go out of curiosity? Do you remember? Uh, I think it had to do with free food <laughs> and a weekend away from school. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, okay. I think okay. that those were the two main aspects the free food and a weekend away from school. Because, and never because your parents cities. charge for food at home? Is that, I mean, how it worked at the Cowles household? Well, I knew what my mom's food was going to be. Typical. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, Mrs. Cowles. Well, the food was good. <laughs> it did okay. what it was supposed to. So, so you saw these bigger... men at the seminary. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to keep digging, I promise. Her food was good. Uh, but it was a chance to get out. I had never sure. been to St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, I've never yeah. been to any of those places yeah. before. Um, and Wayne Shia... Um, who was our mm -hmm. vocation director at the time, had encouraged me. I had already gone to like three Operation Andrew dinners um, to think about vocations. And once again, it was a chance to meet Bishop, who Bishop Carlson at that time I thought was just incredible, a rock star of a bishop, and free food. Free food. And that that's an uncurring theme. You, you'll you'll right. notice that about yes. my story as time goes on. So I made my way up to the seminary. I thought it was nice, but it was like not for me. Went back, and right around my senior year, um, my idea was either go to University of Mer or University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities Ooh. for um, Golden Gophers. Yeah, for engineering or yeah. go to School of Mines. And I was just scared of the crowd of sixty thousand mm. people on campus and how big the city would be. So I said, No, I'll go to School of Mines. Um, what amazed me about when I got to School of Mines is before I even got in the door, I ran into a priest, and I'm like, This is not a Catholic school. Why is there a Catholic priest here? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't understand this. Now, of course, my mom was super enthused sure. seeing a priest outside the door, um, and he was the chaplain at the Newman Center. His name was Father Brian Christensen, mm. um, who's currently the rector of the Cathedral uh, of Our Lady of 
of Rapid City. Uh, what's the perpetual name of their help? perpetual help? There we go, Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Rapid City. Um, and he impressed me right off the bat. He by himself <clears throat> took my mini fridge and began carrying it to my room. Got lost along the way, went down one hall, upstairs, down another hall, and then came back and found my room. And I'm thinking, wow, this this is what the priesthood is all about. <laughs> This is That's pretty incredible. <laughs> so, uh, if you're just tuning in to listen to Ignition, the priesthood is all about carrying mini fridges. Uh, I'm Chris Bergwald, your host, and I'm talking today with Father Chris Cowles uh, of the Diocese of Sioux Falls about his own journey of faith. And we're just getting to college at the School of Mines and Technology and Technology in Rapid City. Before we continue with that, Father, I want to back up a little bit. Um, faith at home. So you talked about how when you were young, um, oftentimes you didn't go into daily mass with mom, but beyond that just some basics regular the cowls were regular sunday mass goers i'm guessing exactly okay. yeah so we went every sunday i went with my mom oftentimes to even first saturday masses okay at the house of mary shrine uh which was close by just by the lake in yankton and continued to serve all the way throughout high school serve so at, serve as, as an altar, altar server yep. at okay. masses uh personal prayer growing up as a, as a youth teen um personal prayer was i'd say decent we'd pray together um every single night before we go to bed as a family um, and then I'd pray on my own from time to time, okay. but wasn't necessarily a deep prayer life by any means. Okay. It was, um, I'd say, hi, God. He'd say hi back, and I'd kind of run out of things to say. <laughs> so Pretty there good. wasn't a lot there. Okay. So, but you, so going to mass, praying as a family, and, and now and then on your own, and then you go off to college out west in Rapid City, School in the Mines Technology. My father, Brian Christensen, he lugs your mini fridge all around the dorm. You got it. And he makes his way to my dorm room, and I get invited by him and other members of the Newman Center who are helping move students in as an initiative to invite them um, to come to Sunday Mass. So um, it was an incredible experience getting to know these people and making my way out to the Newman Center. Now, I will say I went to the Newman Center for a couple of motives. Um, one was for Mass, obviously. Um, it was a, kind of a last chance Mass on Sunday evenings, which was a wonderful occasion, and it was it was great to come together. At that time, the uh, the youth minister, as well as the Newman Center director, was Jacques Daniel, okay. um, who was a uh, a phenomenal man. Um, he was just beginning his family at that time. I think he's got like 10 kids now. Wow. Um, wonderful guy. And he was also an incredible musician. So he'd play the songs for the Mass and participate in a beautiful way. So we go out there for Mass. Second, food, which I already mentioned earlier, free yep. food. Um, his wife was an incredible cook, mm. and there was always a meal that was going to be provided after Sunday Mass. And third, I thought, you know, if if I really am going to get married, where's the best place to look for a new wife? At church. Church. Most definitely. Sure. And now just anyone who's listening who's from School of Mines, you know these statistics, but for typically those who went to School of Mines, it was five guys to for, one yeah. for every one yeah. girl. And some of those one girls looked like guys. So you did your best to go to the Newman Center to find a good Catholic woman that you hoped that you could possibly um, get married to. Sure. Um, so I'd go out there, I'd pray, I'd spend time with that group, and um, little by little, found myself just growing in my faith. Mm. I would go out there at times for Bible studies on Tuesdays and adoration on Thursdays and would be out there for Mass. That fall, we had the chance to go on a retreat. Um, in the Black Hills, which was a wonderful This experience. is all your freshman year. This is all my freshman yeah. year. Yep. So that fall, we went on a retreat, made my way out there, and the whole retreat was focused on Lexio Divina, praying, and and the, the theme was actually seeing the face of God. Praying with Scripture. Exactly. So we were praying with Scripture, making our way through, and each one of the talks was focused on one particular aspect of praying with Scripture. Finally, at the very end, 
Um, so everything's gone really well up to this point, and at the end, you're supposed to listen and literally listen to God. And I was saying, like, God, you going to talk? That's all I heard. Mm. That that really quiet thing that just that happened just there. Just happened. Yeah, I I didn't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. And I got more and more frustrated as time went on, mm. and I'm just like, God, why won't you speak to me? Until finally, we made our way back to the Newman Center. We're having mass that evening. And I was finally saying, God, what is it that you want? What do you desire for me? And in that moment of the Mass, as the elevation was taking place, I heard in the silence of my heart, I want you to go to seminary. Mm. Chris, any idea what my response was? Uh, can you say that again? <laughs> it was more like, <clears throat> no! <laughs> in my heart, I was just so frustrated yeah. because... There was a girl from Black Hill State on that retreat mm. who I really liked and thought maybe there'd be a chance. <laughs> there wasn't. But I didn't realize <laughs> that until later. Um, and in that moment, I thought, God, you know that I've checked this out. You know that it hasn't worked out. Why would you ask me to do this? So I, it kind of sat on the back, bur- back burner. And I didn't necessarily avoid God. Uh, I continued to go to the activities at the Newman Center, but I didn't ask that question anymore. That's mm. for sure. But I did continue to pray and grow in intimacy with the Lord through holy hours, through times of personal prayer uh, during the course of that semester. Now, the spring semester hits, and I get the chance and the opportunity to go on a retreat uh, through FOCUS, the okay. Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Yep. And at this time, it wasn't yet split up into the um, the Leadership Summit and SEEK. Yep. They just had one yearly conference in Denver, which I went to. Uh, we didn't actually have FOCUS on campus, so it was a really odd thing that we had the opportunity to go mm. And while we were out there, I got the chance to meet a lot of Catholic authors and apologists and all this other stuff. Um, during the course of this... Um, apologists apologizing for the faith? Defending the faith. Okay. An apologist is somebody who, who defends explains, the faith. defends the faith. Okay, great. Yeah. Like you, right? You do that? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And then you apologize for the faith I too? apologize for you. Oh, I mean, I mean sorry. Ow! <laughs> Gosh. This whole banter thing seems to be part of your shtick. <laughs> really? You're, you, you're something picking about up on that. that? I am picking up on that. Yeah. Um, so during that time, we actually had a preview viewing of the screening, a preview screening of, uh, the passion Mm. of the Christ. This was the year it came out in, um, it'll be 2004. Yeah. So we had a preview screening with an introduction by Mel Gibson. And then afterwards, the next day, um, the very, for the very first time, Jim Caviezel gave a keynote address explaining Mm. what it was like to play Jesus. Now, this is before the movies even come out, so he's telling us his own personal experiences of being hit by lightning multiple yeah. times and getting scourged and yeah. what led him to the place where he was able to do this. And it was really <clears throat> inspiring to hear him speak in this particular way. So went to confession on that retreat. Or on that retreat. I remember during The Passion of the Christ, I was crying so hard, so hard after watching Jesus get scourged yeah. that a bloody nose started. Wow. Yeah, and it bled everywhere. And I'm like... I'm like this horrible mess in my face. I mean, like I've got this goatee that looks like an animal crawled onto my face and died. <laughs> and then along with that, there's like blood streaming down my face really in, the blood, into the my, animal really died. into this terrible animal. And then there's like tears everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Well, I don't know what's going on. And I felt so bad and terrible about what was happening, but I was just doing my best because I was like, I'm not leaving. I need to watch the rest of this. Um, but it was a profound experience for me. And that's when I decided that this Lent was going to be different. Mm. Um, I made a personal resolution that this Lent was going to be something that I've never done before. So I chose at that conference that I was going to do rosary every single day before I went to bed, and I was going to try and break some major bad habits in my life, sinful Mm. habits that had begun to occur in the midst of my life. So when when Lent began, it was totally different. Every night, praying a rosary, 
spending more time in prayer, and really giving myself over to God. Now, as most people know, on a college campus, there's typically a couple things people do on the weekends, uh, and especially in a town like Rapid City where there, it was cold and there wasn't a lot to do outside, guys would say, oh, let's just get drunk and right. see if we can find, you know, some beautiful person to spend extra time with in yes. a not-so-healthy manner. Right. Well, um, I made a vow before I got to school that I wasn't going to drink and that I wasn't going to do anything before marriage. So that was kind of out of the works. So I began spending time with a lot of the group who hung out at the Newman Center, and we'd make meals for each other. Mm. Each weekend, we'd spend time playing board games or just being with each other. And that made a huge difference too, to have an ambiance of like really good friendships. So as Lent went on and we got closer to the end, I received the invitation from Father Brian Christensen to visit the seminary again. Oh, So I did. Um, wait, wait, for, for the Diocese of Rapid City? It was uncertain at that point okay. in time. Um Later on, Bishop Carlson made a visit out there, and <laughs> at that moment, uh, I think Bish- our father, Father Brian Christensen, sheepishly kind of said, oh, I, th- I think he's one of yours, so um, <laughs> if, if he's going to enter, he should probably enter for your diocese. Sure. So from there, I <laughs> um, went on this visit, and everything seemed right. Mm. Everything seemed right. There was nothing I could stop myself from like saying, oh, it's nice, but I don't want to be here. Like It fit. Um, the prayer life, the men who were there, just everything about the seminary seemed to be right for me. And that's when Father Brian began to needle me with various questions to say, so um, Chris, why um, why don't you want to be a seminarian? Why don't you want to think about this? And my first thought was, you know, I'm fearful that if I enter that place, there's going to be someone waiting on the inside to shut the door behind me and lock it. And then they're going to bring me into my room and then they're going to like handcuff, handcuff me to a bed and I'm never going to get to leave until I become a priest. And he's like, no, I don't know where you got that. Were you watching like some weird screwed up horror movie? I don't, I don't know. Um, Someone once said that, you know, a priest should leave in a collar or in a body bag. And I'm like, no, that's not how seminary is supposed to work. Um, So he kind of, dissolved that notion. Then the second was, he's like, well, why not give it some time to at least go to seminary and try it out for a year or two? And I'm like, oh, but father, you know, my life's worthwhile and I don't really want to waste my time. (laughs) Truthfully, like I I have a limited amount of time in my life. And he looks at me and he's like, so God like gave you your whole life, right? I was like, yep. All of it. Mm -hmm." And you can't give him a year. Oh, well, I suppose I can. I suppose I can. Um, part of the idea too of, of going to seminary was the idea that I had to become a priest. Um, and he, he dissuaded that notion by allowing me to realize that if I wasn't called to be a priest, I was going to come out a better man, a better Christian and a better father. I thought, huh, sure, very true. But the last one was this sense of unworthiness. Like I'd only met and I idealized priests up to this point. And I thought, how can I become a priest? A guy who likes to play with Legos and watch, um, Com- or read comic books and watch movies and, and do all this kind of goofy stuff. Why would he call me? And Father Brian looked me in the eye and says, you know, Christopher, if you were a priest and I was a layman, a uh, father with children, I would trust you to be mm. the pastor of my family and my kids. And I thought, wow, no one's ever trusted me that much. And because I trusted him so much, I thought maybe I'll give it a try. So I did enter the seminary that following year. Um, it was really hard saying goodbye to all the ladies on campus, the ones who were pretty much non-existent and none of them who really had any interest <laughs> in me at this point in time. Um, so I made my way to seminary, and at first it wasn't easy. 
Um, truthfully, it was very difficult at different points because of the fact that they had to form me into an image of Christ. Sure. Um, which took a lot of time. Now, <laughs> and it's still taking no, a lot no of time. Comment. Your no comment is a comment. I know. It's it's very obvious. But um, so my formator, who is a priest, so every young man is assigned a priest to take care of them and work with them and, and kind of aid them in their process. Um, some of them use a chisel approach where they just, you know, <laughs> take a little bit off off of the marble. Uh-oh. And mine decided to use a sledgehammer approach. Okay, so he took off hammer. big yeah. old chunks. Yeah. And I found myself um, wondering, why am I in the seminary? Is this all about punishment? Is there something wrong with me? Um, and the first couple of years, I thought maybe I should just go. Um, but it was in that third year seminary, after a couple of semester or a couple of summers of totus tuus and a lot of major growth, that I began to realize in a semester abroad that the Lord, if He was calling me uh, to this, was going to be my path to happiness. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, I thought it was only going to be, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't sure. do this, can't have a wife, can't have kids, can't have a normal job. But I began to see, no, the truth is, I'm going to get to have. Uh, an extraordinary life. No, I don't get a wife, but I get to give myself entirely to God. I don't get to have a couple of kids, but thousands of them, and I get to rile them up and play with them and hand them back to the parents. Yeah, thanks a lot. You're welcome. And what can I say except you're welcome? And then after that, realizing that, no, I don't have a normal job. There are days when I'm procuring the Eucharist and I'm holding the center of the universe in my hands. Amen. Um, So after that point in time, after I kind of made that idea, I said, well, if this is the Lord's will, it's going to be confirmed by the church. So if they don't kick me out and I've done my own discernment, then I'll become a priest. They didn't kick me out. What? Yeah, I know they, they probably should have talked to you they first about clearly, that, Chris. yeah. Yeah. That and letter I, got lost in the mail. Whatever. So I've been a priest now for eight and a half years, mm. going on nine years. Spent my first three years in Pierre, South Dakota. Had... Two months in Mexico to study Spanish, six months at St. Michael's before they kicked me out of that parish, <laughs> and then uh, now at Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish. Mm. So we have a minute and a half left. Um, when you so the the story as you've told it, um, what's somebody who's, who's who's listened to this story from you? What do you think would be the takeaway that you would offer people from your story? God desires your happiness above all. Now, you might not think he does, but he really truly does. And the path to happiness isn't always going to be easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, But in the same moment, in the midst of all the difficulty that happens in our lives, God desires authentic happiness of us. So when I finally realized that in my life, I thought, whatever God wants, that's what I want to do. And in the midst of those moments, he always gave me authentic joy. Um, and a sense of peace over what I was doing, even if it was hard. Um, and that's oftentimes what we forget in the midst of the course of our lives. We think that God is trying to make us miserable yep. or make yep. life difficult, when truthfully, he's trying to lead us not only closer to himself, but to who we, for what we are made, which right. is true, authentic happiness. Beautiful. Father, um, just before we wrap up, I can't believe you've left out the most important thing, though, of your story. To this like point. when I met you? Almost. The second, okay. The second most important thing, you are an Eagle Scout. Yeah. You didn't mention that along the way. How did um, you leave that out? That wasn't necessarily a huge part of my conversion story. What? Oh, we'll come back to that another right. point we'll in time. We'll talk about that another time. Father Collins, thanks for being here today. 
Thank you, Chris. It was great to have you. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.